Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to Sunday School Bonanza, where we bring you gospel doctrine insights and stuff. I'm here with Dustin Homer. Hi, Dustin. Hi. Happy to bring stuff. Dustin brought his stuff, his junk, in the trunk to our lesson. This week's lesson is lesson 26, Go Ye Into All the World and Preach My Gospel. We're going to talk about missionary work, but specifically uh, missionary work as it pertained to the early saints um, and how missionary work brings us all blessings. Because there were tons of great blessings that came about during the Kirtland period uh, in particular. Uh, we've talked a lot about many of these lessons even preceding this one, of course. We've talked about these doctrines and things that w- were revealed uh, during the cur- time of the saints in the Kirtland, Ohio area. Because a lot of important stuff was revealed. I mean, what are some of the great things that were revealed? We had like the Law of Consecration, Tithing, Doctrine and Covenants 76, King- Kingdoms of Glory, the Word of Wisdom. All the stuff about the Second Coming. Yeah, all this stuff. The nature of the priesthood. All, all this stuff was the Kirtland era. Not everything was revealed, of course. A lot of other stuff came later on, sure. in Missouri and the Nauvoo area, era in particular. But Kirtland was... I mean, it was serious. It was crunch time. The foundation. Uh, and one of the great things they did is the saints sacrificed a lot to share the gospel. And you see how much the Lord uh, sanctified them, buoyed them up, and really kind of uh, honed them and galvanized them because of it. And honestly, if it were not for the missionary work of the Kirtland area and the sacrifices the saints made, I don't see how the church could have carried on from that point on. And so we're going to talk about some of that today. And we have a lot of, it's, this lesson really is a lot of anecdotes that just sort of support this notion of great early missionary work. And I, I, so I'm partial to a certain story that uh, that is mentioned in the lesson about Elder Polly P. Pratt's preaching the gospel Serving in, in Minnesota, where you're from? No, okay. I'm from South Dakota. Sure. Never say that again. But he served in Canada, which is where I had the chance to preach the gospel too. And uh, there's a really poignant story in here about when Elder Pratt preaches the gospel to John Taylor, who, of course, and becomes the third president of the church a few years down the road. But Elder Pratt goes to the Toronto area, you know, on on uh, this mission he'd been called by the prophet to serve in Canada. And he goes, begins preaching, and gets a letter out of nowhere from a stranger, a letter of introduction to a Methodist preacher in Toronto mm-hmm. named John Taylor. And so he goes and he finds this man, John Taylor, who's been leading basically like a gospel discussion group for some years where they had kind of yeah. talked about the nature of the church, had talked about spiritual yeah. concepts, and were looking for answers kind of collectively. And so this Mormon elder, Parley Pratt, comes in, and they receive him, not necessarily warmly, but they let him come and they let him talk, and they're a bit disinterested. Sure. And so he kind of sticks around for a little bit, realizes he's not making a lot of progress, is kind of discouraged, and goes back to see the Taylors one last time to pick up some of his luggage and to leave, to leave Toronto and go, I guess, find somewhere else to preach. Before he was there, there's a lady, a lady named Isabella Isabella Walton, who had been inspired that day to come to the Taylor's house because she believed that Parley Pratt might be a man of God and invited him to come and stay with her and gave him a place to preach. And basically, Parley Pratt sets up there. The Taylor's hearts are softened a little bit. John Taylor goes and listens to uh, listens to Parley Pratt speak, and after a few weeks, realizes that this man is a representative of the true church of Jesus Christ, is baptized, becomes an elder, and later president of the church. Pretty incredible story. Our first foreign president. Our first foreign. <laughs> the only foreign president of the church up to this point. But I think that's a rad story, and I love some of these great stories. Like that, you know, just these great stories of these men who, uh, who found the gospel the different ways they did, and, and how it brought him close to it yeah absolutely and the story of this missionary parley pratt who again leaves behind his family in kirtland it's a tough period they're probably poor yeah. travels to canada gets absolutely no traction but 
with a little perseverance, God leads him to the exact person that needed to receive the restored gospel because he was going to take it to thousands of others. And that made all the difference. I mean, you're talking to man, John Taylor, who dedicated temples during his his ministry. And it was was because of one man's personal sacrifice, Parley's personal sacrifice to go fulfill a calling that was hard to fulfill at a tough time for him and his family that led to all the doors that were open because of that. And also, uh, there's a great example. This is a shorter one. I'm not going to dwell on it, but there's a guy named Levi Hancock. And a lot of this talks about how ill he was during his mission, how much he struggled. He just suffered from numerous maladies and a lot of problems. But he knew that, um, like he said in his own quote, he said, I have to be honest before God and do all the good I can for his kingdom, or woe is me. I care not for the world, nor what they say. They have to meet my testimony at the judgment seat. I mean that my conduct shall be that my words will be believed, the Lord being my helper. That is awesome faith right there. On my mission, our mission president, of course, mission mobs, they wanted to make sure we were okay. You know, they're like, if you're sick, you're meeting people, blah, blah, blah. Obviously, if you're bad, rest up, take care of yourself. But he would also say, play hurt, though, (laughs) elders. (laughs) He's like, you know, don't be, like, if you're weak, a lot of people like in Kirtland went through way worse than you did to proclaim the gospel. And if you have the faith and you believe this is true, because you have a sniffle or something like that, get out there and it doesn't matter. Don't go contaminating people, but for goodness sake, you know, play through it. Make it work. And I, I I firmly believe in that. The Lord blesses us immensely when we forget ourselves, just as Levi Hancock did, and just try to go to work and make it happen. And I have faith that he'll provide the way. Even if we're suffering and we feel miserable about it, think about how much better we'll feel about the joy we'll receive from helping bring souls unto Christ. Very just cool like point. the Book of Mormon talks about. So. Very cool point. Another, oh, go ahead. I was saying then. You inhale. The, so, but the other, one of the other really, really remarkable things about the Kirtland era is the call of a big chunk of the Quorum of the Twelve to go to England to preach the gospel. So here's the time again. People are poor, um, a lot of struggles going on, and apostasy is starting to set into the church, right? Was well, so this had, after the bank period and stuff? Is yeah. That it, yeah, right. You had a lot of, you had a lot of you had people whose testimonies were shaken, people leaving the church, people speaking really evil against the prophet Joseph. Sure. He received this revelation to send his Quorum of the Twelve, his most firm supporters, to go preach the gospel in England. And that, like like we've talked about, made all the difference for the church at the time, not just for the men that went and preached, but for the entire church as a whole because of all the the miraculous success that, that there happened. were there were like two thousand converts over an eight month period, yeah, starting out and uh and of course, back then they all came and they gathered, and the church we said it before about other things, but the church would not have survived if it were not for English converts in the eighteen thirties and I mean it would have collapsed it, there's there's no doubt in my mind it would have, and the miracles that happened to open the doors in England for the gospel to be preached. I mean, I mean, they're just, I mean, they're too numerous to count. Right. But I mean, really that was, that was where the Lord had prepared his elect, but, but the church had to work to get there. Right. I mean, the elect could have been prepared anyway, anywhere, but, but the Lord had prepared his elect in England to build up the church at that time. And sacrifices had to be made by the saints in Kirtland in order to receive the huge blessing that came later. Yeah. It's awesome. Another great story here from President Monson. I love this one. This is a great tale. So yeah. President Monson was in the 12, because we know he was in the 12 when he was like, you know, 20 years old or whatever it Seriously. was. But, um, <laughs> but this was 1968, pretty pretty hot Cold War period, right? He visited the German Democratic Republic, better known as East Germany at the time. And uh, trust and understanding did not exist. He talked about there had been diplomatic relations, sort of, but not really. Um, so he went to visit and meet with the saints in some city called Gorlitz. I don't know where that is. I should have looked up beforehand for context. But he assembled in a small building with the saints who were there. They sang the hymns of Zion, he said. Uh, they filled the hall with faith and devotion. But President Monson was full of sorrow because they had no patriarchs, no wards, no stakes. There was no real formal church organization. I doubt I mean, there were missionaries in the 
proselytizing sense. I'm sure the Germ- I'm sure East Germany fell under a mission of one. You know, it's probably under the Frankfurt mission or something like that. But just for administrative reasons. So there were saints who had been there before the war. And now they were stuck in this way. So President Monson stands at the pulpit. And he said, with tears in his eyes and a voice choked with emotion, I'll just read a quote. He said, I made a promise to the people. And the quote is, if you will remain true and faithful to the commandments of God, every blessing any member of the church enjoys in any other country will be yours. And then the thing was, President Monson realized what he said. And then he said, that night I got on my knees and I pleaded with the Lord and said, I am on thy errand. This is thy church. I've spoken thy words. I knew this did not come from me. It came from thee and thy son. Will thou please make this possible? And I think there was a similar story also, President McKay saying stuff that he was compelled. Uh, I forget, was this the one when he was in like Polynesia somewhere? But uh, compelled by the Spirit to say something. And then almost freaking out afterwards, like, what have I promised these people? But but what happened? Eight years later, President Monson was able to go to East Germany and actually dedicate the land for the preaching of the gospel. And of course, this is still the 70s. Cold War wasn't going to be over for another, well, at least in Germany for another 14 years, you know. And then we see that from that point forward, there was some sort of missionary work. And other miracles happened in East Germany. The Freiburg Temple, if no one's familiar with it, one of the coolest temple histories in the entire church. I don't know if you're familiar with it, yeah. Dustin, but the fact that the East German authorities were tired of the saints in East Germany uh, petitioning to be able to leave the country and go to Frankfurt to go to the temple. So they said, how about we build a temple here? And because they were communists, they said, we'll supply the you know the materials and the labor and blah, blah, blah. We just don't want our people leaving so much. And the church is like... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, back then it was Switzerland. I think they finished Freiburg before Frankfurt, actually, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So, like, even that, an amazing miracle. And a lot of this came from uh, the faith of the saints and, of course, in the preaching of the gospel. Very cool. Just incredible, yeah. And, I mean, and then we come back to Kirtland, and as the Kirtland period ended in the late 1830s, there was, again, a lot of persecution coming from the outside and growing apostasy on the inside of the church. And I think, again— Despite all of this, most of the saints remained valiant. Most of the saints persevered, remained valiant, continued to build up the kingdom. And there's a, there's a cool story that the lesson ends on of Brigham Young in this group of apostates. You know, this group of apostates okay. kind of railing against the church and, and uh, you know, kind of basically trying to decide what they were going to do about it, right? Trying to decide if they could combine and do something to kind of bring down the prophet Joseph and bring down the church. And Brigham Young, you know, Lion of the Lord, stands up completely rebukes everybody, testifies of the prophet Joseph and the truthfulness of the gospel. And, you know, everybody just kind of walks away without any power to do anything against the church. I mean, right. it was the faithfulness, the sacrifices of saints like Brigham that, that kept the, the church from, from being torn apart, both from the inside and the outside. It's pretty awesome. And so I think in closing, missionary work should be a sacrifice. I think we learned that. It doesn't have to be in this day and age, we're not going to be called to give up everything we have to have children and wives or and leave our families for years at a time or anything like that. We're not going to be called to do that. But I think so often we want missionary work as member missionaries today to be convenient for us because we're busy people. But how much more do we appreciate it if we have to work for it and if sometimes it's a struggle for us to even figure out ways to participate in it or to humble ourselves to do it? You know, it's very easy to overlook many missionary opportunities because we're not looking for them. We're not humbly seeking the will of the Lord and how we can go about stuff. It could be as simple as starting up a conversation with some random person at like Popeye's, you know, and then you never know what's going to come of it. But don't be afraid of those things. Follow, seek for the guidance of the Lord and don't look to it to be a matter of when it's going to be right for you. Realize that if you just give yourself over to to everything upstairs, then great miracles can come about. And I think the Kirtland period is a terrific example of that. Amen. And to you. (laughs) I guess that's it. Yeah, be like the Kirtland Saints. That's That's the bottom line. 
in that way, not in the you know apostasy type ways. But the good saints. The good saints, the ones who stuck around. But uh, yeah, it's good. So folks, please go to Facebook and find us, and also find us on Twitter at the Real Twim. Go to contact at thisweekinmormons.com to shoot us an email and tell us how we're doing, and visit our website thisweekinmormons.com. We can find this podcast, comments, as well as find our other materials, as well as our weekly podcast, This Week in Mormons. And of course, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and YouTube. We encourage all of those things because it's great for our numbers, which strokes our egos and makes us feel wonderful. Dustin, thank you for being here. My pleasure, Jeff. Thank you. Wonderful to have you. Great lesson. Hope you'll get out there and do the missionary work, people. It's definitely worth the effort and the sacrifice. This has been Lesson 26. Go ye into all the world and preach my gospel. This is Sunday School Bonanza, and we hope that you have a spiritual and radical Sunday. Bye-bye.